This morning I want to talk about a, th- a thought in the book of Hebrews that really has blessed me and Jane and it's been a part of our prayer or our prayer life over a number of years. And, and as we've prayed these things and as we've allowed the Lord to minister to us in our journey, we just pray in our heart is that this word would be something that imparts and impacts your life so that as you walk through life, you can look at this scripture and know that there is a throne of grace that you can come to where you can find help in time of need. You know, the Bible often, or we as, as, as pastors, we often talk about life as a journey. Or as the Bible would say, we are running in this race called life. Let us run with endurance. Let us run um, taking or, or setting aside those weights and those sins that so easily ensnare us. We, we, we call this journey of life a race. And, you know, there are times in this race where everything can be just so. There's not a care in the world. Everything seems to be just right. And do you know what? We praise the Lord for those moments. If you've lived life for any length of time, you'll realize that it's not all plain sailing. And there are moments in life that are called a crisis, or there's a journey in life where there are life pressures, and there are circumstances in the journey that we look at and we say, wow, it feels like the weight of the world is on my shoulders. Anybody ever been there? Know what that feels like? And it's interesting how when perhaps sometimes when you're younger, you look at life and you think, well, it's all right for me. There isn't a problem. There isn't this. And then all of a sudden, it's like, what on earth happened? And life changes. And there are other issues that we need to deal with. David in the Bible, he knew what it was like to live under pressure. He knew what it was like to endure hardship. Even Jesus said, the Word of God says, endure hardship like a good soldier. You know, when the going gets tough, you don't, you don't, you don't just hide in your foxhole. You look for an opportunity to come out of the foxhole and gain ground. It's not about just hiding there, hoping it will all pass by, burying our head in the sand and pretending it's not happening. There is stuff that happened happened in David's life and happens in ours. And I just want to highlight two scriptures that David wrote in the book of Psalms. And the first one is this in Psalm 138. Psalm 138 is not my favorite psalm, but it's one of my favorite psalms. And there's so much in there that I've, I've applied to my personal life and journey. But this scripture just, just came to mind as I was preparing Psalm 138, verse 3. He says this, In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. I want you to know one thing. Your spirit does not get tired. Your spirit is not your issue. Your spirit is not what gets confused. It's your soul. And when you're going through the battle... 
That's why it says, do not be, um, if you're double-minded, don't expect to receive anything of the Lord. If you're double-minded, it's talking about the soul. If you're a two-souled person, if you are this way that moment, and then you're that way the next moment, you're actually a two-souled person and double-minded in all your ways. And here, he says, in the day when I cried out, what, when was he crying out? He was in a moment of anguish, a moment of trouble, a moment when pressure was on. He said, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. Because when your soul lines up with your spirit, you become undefeatable. When your spirit is strong in God and your soul is weak, your flesh will automatically follow your soul. That's why our soul needs to be renewed by the Word of God. That's why our soul needs to be brought in line. That's why you see David said, Come on, my soul, why are you downcast? Hope in God. He was speaking to his soul. He didn't have to speak to his spirit. He spoke to the soul of who he was. Bless the Lord, Oh, my soul, and all that is within me, let us praise his holy name. It was his soul he was dealing with. The battle, Joyce Meyer once spoke or wrote a book, the battle between the mind, the battle between the ears, it's the soul. And here, when he cried out to God, God didn't strengthen or embolden his spirit. He said, e he, put, he placed boldness with strength in my soul. I just want you to be aware this morning, in the midst of battles, in the midst of ups and downs, in your relationships, your soul is your issue. When you don't know how to deal with your kids, you're dealing with how you, would, how you respond out of your soul. Your spirit has wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Your soul wants to deal with your child from a soulish standpoint. However that is, sit in the corner, do as you're told, go to your room, taking your Xbox off here. We deal with things from a soulish mindset. But God wants us to deal with things from the wisdom of our spirit. And here he made him bold with strength in his soul. Second scripture is this, it's Psalm 86, another David, soul, a David Psalms. He's saying to God, give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. It's a bit bold, isn't it? In other words, he's saying, God, I've told you to listen. That, come on, let's use a bit of, if you went to the street Bible or modern translation, it says, give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. In other words, God, are you listening? Are you actually hearing what I'm saying? But there's always that reverence. I remember when, when Zach, our third child, was born, and I went before God, and I turned around and said, reverently, God, you have promised. As if I could go to God and say, yeah, you promised. But in my heart, that's how I approached God and said, God, you have promised. You've got to come through. You've got to, we've got to have a miracle. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplications. That's exactly what David's doing. Come on, Lord, are you hearing? 
you've got to answer. You've got to break through. You've got to, you've got to move or else it's too late or else it's not going to work. God, you've got to break through. Are you listening to my supplication? In the day of my trouble, I will call on you, for you will answer me. Now, you could turn around and say, well, that's a bit presumptuous of you, David. You were, you, you, you were taking things for granted there. What, who, who do you think you are to say that of God? Who do you think you are to turn around and say, for you will answer me? We're talking about God. You will answer me. Can if, if someone came to me and said, you will answer me and give me what I've asked of you, so I, yeah, it's a bit full on. Come on, t- take it easy. Be nice to me and I may do what you want. But I will call upon you for you will answer me. See, that is the relationship God wants with us and he wants us to have with him. That is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything in his name, he will do it, according to the book of James. It's in here. It's in the word of God. These two Psalms show that in the midst of trouble, David had a confidence in his heart that God hears, that God sees, like Camille said this morning. But he goes one step more. He answers. Oh, that goes back to that song, that song we sing, doesn't it? I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answers. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answers. I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answers. That's not, that's not false boldness. That is a confidence in God, knowing who he is, and that he does good things for those who love him. That's, that's why I love that song. Because it is such a bold and confident declaration of our heart for God. You may be thinking, well, that's all well and good for David. But where does that leave me? I, that David was a man after God's own heart. So where does that leave me? I tell you where it leaves you. It leaves you in a far better place than what David was. We're in a far better place. We're in a far better covenant than what David ever saw. And if we only knew what we have in God, we would have such a boldness in him. Oh, just going all over the place for a moment here. That's why on the way to to the place of prayer at 9 o'clock in the morning, the disciples who were just going there to pray looked at a man who was asking for... For, for begging for money, I, I, I can never get it out of my asking for arms, the Bible says. He had arms. He was begging for money. And Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, I give to you. See, God is not asking you to have anything other than what he's already given. And what he's given is so much. He has given you so much, such as I have. See, the problem comes when we don't know what we have. The problem comes when we don't know who we have. The problem is, do we know who is now in us? Christ in you, the anointed one 
in you. The anointing that Jesus walked with. See, remember when he was on earth, he walked 100% man and 100% God. He had to be anointed of God to do anything that he did. As a man, he could do no mighty works. But with the anointing of God, he healed all that were sick and oppressed of the enemy. We have that same unction from the Holy One. We have that same anointing on the inside of who we are. Why? Because Christ in you. Not because of who I am, not because of how much of the word I know, but it's Christ in you. The anointed one and his anointing. You have both in you. David knew he was anointed of God and he did awesome wonders before God and before man. But what we have is so much better than what they had in the Old Testament. I want you, if you've got your Bible, to turn to, let's hear those pages. Go on. Russell, Russell. Not click, click. Russell, Russell. Bible. Hebrews chapter 4. And verse 16, it will be on the big Bible in front of you in a minute. But you cannot put that under your arm. You won't know where that is in the moment of where's that scripture. You say, oh, it's on the big board. Where is the big board? Now you can't take it with you. Get familiar with your Bible. Amen? You, are we up there yet? Right, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Oh, there's very little time this morning. It says this. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. I have lost count how many times we've quoted that in prayer over the last two years of our life. Over and over and over. And I just really felt encouraged to share that with you. Right now, that may not mean too much for you, but there are a couple of things that I just want to share and hopefully open your eyes and your heart. Under the Mosaic law, God's presence resided and dwelt in the tabernacle, in the most holy place or the holy of holies. And that is where the Ark of the Covenant resided. The Ark of the Covenant could only be approached once a year on the Day of Atonement by one person, the high priest. But you know what? God will make a way. See, none of us would have been worthy. Not one of us could have approached God. The Catholics say you can go through a, a, a priest. No, there's one high priest who's gone into the heavenlies. And that's Jesus. Going through a priest won't help you get to God. That's a personal relationship that helps you connect with God. And here, in this moment, when Jesus was crucified at the cross, the curtain that covered the tabernacle in the high priest, and as he went in there to minister on the Day of Atonement, and there was the curtain that divided the temple and the place where the Holy of Holy was, on the day that Jesus was crucified, it was torn from top to bottom. How? 
Because God said, I want my people to come to me. Man didn't do it. Man would have done it from the bottom. If they could have done it, it was so thick and was so interwoven, it was probably unbearable and unbreakable for man to do. But God said, let my people come to me. That's why we now have access to the throne of grace. We know that there are types and pictures, don't we? The Old Testament is revealed in the New. And the, the New is revealed and hidden in the Old. Jesus is that once and for all sacrifice. He died for sin once for all. For all man, for all time, Past, present, future, those that are yet to born, Jesus did it all. Why? Because he loves you. Because he cares for you. And because he wants you in relationship with him. I look at many of you in this room, how you've journeyed towards God, how, how you once was lost, but now you're found. How you found, you know, I, I, I look at Samuel, and I think Samuel, just a few weeks ago, was walking in lostness, but he's found and encountered the living God. Praise God for that. Amen. How did that happen? The veil was broken. It was torn in two so that you, me, and everybody here but also that the whole world would know him and come into a relationship with him. The throne of grace is represented in the old as being the seat, the mercy seat in the old covenant. What we have is the throne of grace. What they have was the mercy seat on the ark of the covenant. God doesn't want us coming to him, begging and, and, and on our knees and scraping before him, saying, how unworthy am I? When you approach God, he doesn't want you thinking you're the worst thing that's ever lived the face of the earth. He doesn't want you walking before him, looking at yourself as your soul sees you. He wants you to walk into his throne room as your spirit sees you. Redeemed, justified, and righteous. Our soul looks at us and says, you filthy, unworthy, hopeless failure. But our spirit says, you are a child of God, seated in heavenly places. You are Welcome here. What a way to approach God in prayer. Oh, we haven't got to the prayer series yet. I just got too excited. I got too excited. It's like I don't want to wait until we get there. I want to, I want to download, share some things. It's not the judgment throne. It's the throne of grace. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Come boldly. Someone who comes boldly, chest puffed out, they got a bit of a swagger, they can come boldly. You will never approach God like that from your soul. Not unless you are prideful. But you can approach God like that 
from your spirit. Because it's not what you are or what you've done. It's in recognition of what he's already done. That's the difference. And, 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 and it's, it, the word boldly comes from a word in the Greek called parath, parousia. And it is a word used by the ancient Greeks. You, you'll never get it. It's the trendy word of today. Freedom of speech. <laughs> in, 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 we're talking about 2,000 years. There's nothing new under the sun. Right? It's just reinventing. Parousia means freedom of speech. Guess what? You can come boldly with freedom of speech before the throne of grace. What does that actually mean or look like? You know, under the Old Testament, uh, under the biblical times, if they were using freedom of speech in biblical Jesus days, the Roman authorities would have locked them up because they had no freedom of speech. But this word was used when, when it was translated by James Forrest, when it was used originally, James used this word. Uh, sorry, uh, Paul, the writer of Hebrews. Let's get it right. The writer of Hebrews used this word, parousia. It means to never be in fear. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Not in fear, but in awe. Knowing that we, are, we cannot be too forthright. Isn't it good that God is God? We cannot be too forthright with God. We cannot be too outspoken. We can't be too blunt. And we cannot be too bold in our approach. Because he has said, come boldly with freedom of speech. Oh, we do need to come with reverence and respect. I, I remember many years ago when I was in the, in the Baptist church, um, when I was my early teens, and there was a guy in that church who was called Jim Latham. And Jim Latham, anyone know Jim? Yeah, Jim, oh yeah. Jim Latham used to talk to God as if he was your best buddy. Common, Portsmouth lad, and, and Jim, he just used to have a conversation with God as if he was talking to you as a mate. And there were people that thought he was so irrelevant, irreverent. Oh, that all would have the boldness to come to God. Not to this or not feeling that that's... But Jim used to come before God. Hello, mate. How you doing, God? Yes, yeah, me, Jim. Just going to tell you a few things that's on my heart, on my mind. You need to know, as if God didn't. <laughs> Jim was just, he just knew. You knew that Jim knew God. It wouldn't surprise me if he's a little bit like Enoch, that he was not because God took him. <laughs> but isn't that how God wants us to be? That we know him, but we respect him. And we honor him but we can come boldly before the throne of grace. We never have to be afraid, but we should always remember he is almighty God. What is the throne of grace? The throne of grace is a place of authority and it's a place of power. The word, of grace, the word grace speaks of God's unlimited, undeserved, and unearned favor that's bestowed upon those who loved him, who love him. 
Oh, yeah, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. God has all power and all authority to bestow upon you unlimited, undeserved favor. Things that you didn't expect, things that you didn't deserve, things that you couldn't earn, and yet he's still saying, I'm going to give it to you. Isn't that great? Oh, I didn't deserve it, Lord. He says, no, I know you didn't. It's my grace. Unlimited favor. Unlimited blessing. I I want a bit more unlimited, don't you? Unlimited favor of the Lord being bestowed on my life and on yours. We are to come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy. What's the difference between mercy and grace? Some of you will know. I'm just going to give you this definition. Grace. Grace is when God gives you what you don't deserve. Mercy is what God gives you. Sorry, is, is what God doesn't give you when you do deserve it. The wages of sin, death. What does he say? I forgive you. Oh, thank the Lord for that. Amen. Amen. He doesn't give you what you do deserve. But he gives us grace. So what does it mean to obtain mercy? To obtain mercy is you have it immediately. What is mercy? That which you don't deserve. When you come boldly before the throne of grace, he gives you immediately what you don't deserve. come before that throne, the mercy seat of God, and he immediately gives me, I don't even have to ask, he bestows on me mercy, forgiveness, forgetfulness, restoration, sonship, daughtership. Immediately as I enter his presence, he doesn't see my sin, my mistake, He sees Christ in me. The blood paid for it, and it's washed, and it's cleansed, and it's free from it. What else does it mean? Scriptures like this, uh, what does it mean? We have, uh, so what does it mean to obtain? It means to get hold of, to seize, to take, to receive what is offered, to claim for yourself, to take possession, obtain now. You may have sinned on your way into the house of God this morning. You may have said something that you shouldn't have said to the driver that that cut you up on the way here. And your wife or husband looked at you and you felt condemned and you felt guilty and you walked in here. Do you know what? God says, forgive him. It's a throne of grace. It's an obtained mercy. You obtained mercy immediately. That's why the scriptures like 1 John 1 9 that says if we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins he is faithful true and just to his own nature and promises and will forgive our sins dismiss our lawlessness and continuously continuously cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Everything that's not in conformity to his will in purpose, thought, or action. 
In other words, <laughs> this isn't a license to go and sin. This is a license to say, I don't want to sin. Anyone who turns around and says, this is a license to sin. You don't know what, Jesus, what it cost Jesus to go to the cross. If that is true, every time I do something wrong, God goes, remember Etch-A-Sketch? God gets hold of you and goes, it's not there. You do something wrong, not there. You do something wrong, not there. He washes us as white as snow. Though our sins were as red as scarlet, they're as white as snow. That's not a license to sin. That's freedom from sin. That's what the problem with the Roman church was. The Roman church turned around and said, Oh, Paul, that means, that means we can go and sin as much as we like. If God's grace and mercy means that, we can do what we like. And he said, God forbid that you would behave in that manner. See, grace and mercy preached to its correct biblical way will mean, oh yeah, you can sin and get away with it. Because his, his blood has already paid for it. But a man or a woman who chooses to live that way, you've got a question. Have they really experienced the Christ who hung on a cross to die for that very sin that you purpose to go and do? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not experience eternal loss but would experience eternal life with him there's so much more I could say and I'm, I'm going to leave part B to next week because ah, there's a few more things in here and I think oh, if, if only we knew come on this week as you go into your prayer closet or if you're praying in your, in your car as you're driving puff your chest out let God know you're here Say, God, I know that you hear, and I know that you answer. And I'm going to let loose in prayer this morning, because I have a confidence. Because you've said to me, I can come boldly to that mercy seat to obtain mercy and find grace. <laughs> okay, grace, sorry, I'm going to finish. Grace, mercy. I've obtained mercy, uh, obtained grace. No, I've obtained mercy. Obtained mercy. Fine, grace. <laughs> ah, yes, there we go. Obtained mercy. You find grace. When you go before the throne, you've obtained mercy. God's already given you what you don't deserve. You're forgiven, made right, holy before him. Find grace. Ha, huh, find grace. Find grace. He wants you to find grace. Grace. This morning I'm going to pray for you. You may never have experienced the mercy of God that forgiveness that only he can give you. 
the wages, like I said earlier, the wages of sin. We've all blown it. We've all made mistakes. We've all failed. We're all on a level playing field. But until you find his mercy, you are lost without hope. When we do find what Jesus did on the cross, he wipes the slate clean over and over and over again. What? I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go. I want to pray right now. I want to pray. If you've never experienced God's mercy in your life, I want to pray that you experience that this morning. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today, recognizing that he died for you, that everything that you've ever done wrong was placed on him so that you could walk in freedom today. I'm going to pray. And if you pray that prayer sincerely in your heart, and you want to make Jesus as the Lord and the Savior of your life, I'm going to ask you to do one step of faith. Once we pray that prayer, just to put up your hand and put it back down. We've got a Bible and some information we'd like to give you. But this is your first step in acknowledging God in your life. Let's pray. Let's everyone pray nice and loud and help in anybody that may be praying for the very first time. Jesus, I come to you today. I recognize you are Lord, Savior, and Redeemer. You bought me with a price. Your life in exchange for mine. When you died upon that cross, you took my sin. You took my failings. You took my mistakes. Today, Jesus, I receive new life in you and receive you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. While every eye is closed and every head bowed, if you prayed that this morning and to genuinely in your heart, you're saying, God, I want this journey with you. I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to put up your hand and pop it back down. One, two, three. If you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand. Thank you, I see that hand. See that hand. See that hand at the back. There's three responses in the room. Some may be coming to know the Lord for the very first time. Some are saying, hey, I, 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 this is new. I've never heard that. But there are three responses in the room. Is there anybody else? And you say, yeah, I've been distant. I've been wandering. I've been absent from the presence of God. I want to come back today. If that's you, I've got five more seconds. Feel free to raise your hand. Five, four, three, two, one. I thank you for the hand as well. Lord God, I pray right across this place, those that are making a decision to follow you, those that are, are just recommitting their hearts, Father, and for each and every one of us in this room, Lord, I pray, Lord, open our eyes that we may see clearly what your word teaches you want us to come boldly before your throne. That we may obtain mercy and find grace in all our times of need. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Awesome. <clears throat>